Book Awards. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I am Andrew. I, you know, I don't. I Paul, I mean, Aaron Drew is here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that is. I mean, just he's been back over. for a while now, and I just, just I just keep. Just because I, I wasn't just, here for the last four Funny Books Awards. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got to get used to this. It's only been 11 times, so. <laughs> only seven for Andrew. Probably six, because he wasn't there for that first one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Andrew. I feel bad. It's okay, Aaron. You can make it up to me later. <laughs> Very exciting. Well, here we are, 11 times. Yes. And I got to say, guys, I think uh, something that's going to factor in quite a bit in our categories this year is what a weird, weird year 2020 was. Yes. 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 So, I mean, you know, as I was going through through my selections, I found that in just about every category, you know, the lockdown, the pandemic uh, certainly played a role in what we saw this year. So. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, before that, before we jump into the Funny Book Awards, we have a, a brand new uh, comic book related television show we wanted to t- want to talk about. As we record this, there have been three episodes mm-hmm. of WandaVision on Disney Plus. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit. So, yeah, we're, we're three out of eight uh, planned episodes, nine. at least nine. Oh, I thought it was nine. eight. I believe it's nine. Oh. I think it's nine. Yeah. Okay. Well, who knew? You knew. Mm. I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Paul, research. <laughs> that, that's what you're for. <laughs> Who knew Paul was everyone but you? <laughs> professionalism. Yeah, I, I, I do not exude professionalism. <laughs> so yeah, WandaVision. Um, I gotta say, I like it more than I thought I was going to. I am loving WandaVision. Hear, hear that ringing endorsement from Paul. <laughs> yeah. I They're going to put that on the poster. Think- <laughs> did you the, not the, think you were gonna like it i did not well okay for i mean full disclosure i mean if there was a wandavision comic book i wouldn't buy it like scarlet witch and vision are not the characters that i follow um generally out of the avengers and the the trailers did didn't really like excite me um and i mean obviously it what, what's funny though is that the show is exactly what they advertise but it works better than i kind of expected I think that's the big surprising thing for me is that, uh, you know, the trip through sitcom history in this show uh, is working much better than I thought it would. Because, I mean, it's it's a long time to hold the joke, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. And you if, know, you don't have that, if you don't have that nostalgia for six, you know, 50, 60, 70 sitcoms, you would probably hate this show. But I, well, growing up watching those shows, I, I, I love the kind of all the callbacks that they have in there to those uh, classic TV shows. Yeah. yeah. And, you and know, that's I, what I've seen online, people talking about it. There's a lot of people where within a family, one person will love it and then their kids just won't get it. Yeah. And I can see it's, that. A, it's a really daring show that it's it took a huge risk. Well, I'm. I'm, I'm what I think works so well about it is that, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all of these movies, particularly the movies that occur outside of the Avengers, right, uh, very much fall into genre films. You know, you, you think about Guardians of the Galaxy is very much uh, in the wheelhouse of Star Wars. And you look at Ant-Man, it's a heist movie. You've got... Uh, uh, Winter Soldier is, you know, a, a, a spy film. Um, so when they when they did this for WandaVision, it's another genre. It's the sitcom. And I, I'm 
fascinated at how well they have fallen into this in, 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 into this story with, you know, this skin on it. Uh, you know, I guess I'll say, uh, it, it is so well done and it is very much a motion picture on television and yeah, the level of production. It is amazing to me. I was shocked watching that first episode that I expected to have some time within this sitcom world, some time outside of it, the mystery to be thrown in right away. And there's very little of the mystery in that first episode. Well, and you, right. you know, you get a hint if you, if you think of each one of these episodes as an act, um, it's in the second act, you know, the first act is, you know, we're, we're just sort of establishing the rules, right? In the second act, you get that hint that something's really fucked up here. And in the third act, I mean, the underlying darkness of, of uh, the third episode, when it came, you know, because you've got the first half of the episode is just very sitcom-y. It's very, you know, nothing, nothing bad can happen here. You're in a safe place. Because that's what, that's what particularly 70s and, you know, 50s and 60s sitcoms were all about. You're in a safe place. And you're not. You know, yeah. and, and and your hero may be the bad guy. <laughs> well, you know, they, um, each each episode very much kind of lulls you into uh-huh. the sitcom mindset, especially people who probably grew up watching like us. You know, our minds kind of revert to that yeah. that attitude and approach it's we used training. to watch them. It's yeah, training. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, they they will jab you with something like when Geraldine suddenly mentions Pietro, or when uh-huh. his vision's boss starts choking, and all of a uh-huh. sudden you're like. Like when Geraldine said that last night, I was like, oh, shit. I said yeah. it out loud. I was so surprised yeah, and startled. Same. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, and Elizabeth Olsen does that slowly I turned. <laughs> it's just like, holy crap. Holy crap. Yeah. She is nailing it from an actor standpoint. Yeah. She can go from that super sweet saccharine like 60s and 50s uh-huh. character to just snap. She is real and dark and then right back to it and it's and I she does say, the crazy well i i was not a particular fan of her performances in the avengers movies no she's um, so much overshadowed by other other people in the avengers well movies. and uh, other more dynamic characters yeah and yeah. it really I, so, wasn't until infinity war that i thought she started to really click and you know, I, I've I've liked Paul Bettany all along. I just think that he's he's got a lot of charisma, and I, I like the I think he's perfectly cast in the character he's playing. But the two of them in this show allowed to breathe. Their characters have so much chemistry. I can't yeah. get over how how much I enjoy the two of them together and how goofy they both can be. Um, I, I, there is there is such a a dichotomy between how goofy these shows are being, how silly they are, and then this underlying darkness. And, you know, we're talking about how sitcoms are generally a safe place, you know, particularly in the eras in which uh, we've seen depicted so far. But you're also in a safe place on Disney+. Plus. But when Wanda goes dark in episode three, I I was legitimately startled. I mean, and it shows you what a skilled director, what a skilled writer and what skilled actors can do 
uh, within the narrow confine, confines of a PG setting. I was wildly impressed with episode three. I li- I've liked all three episodes so far, but episode three impressed the hell out of me. I, I, big, big ups to Marvel. Good job. Yeah, and unlike Paul, I'm a huge fan of Wanda and Vision together. I've always liked that relationship. I loved in the comic books when they suddenly had the kids and how that ended up turning out. Yeah. The, you know, that journey into madness is something I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you know, the res, the spoilers. So in the comic books, we find out that, you know, uh, Thomas and William are, are not real. And that all happens in the pages of West Coast Avengers when they find out they're actually the Which souls. is one of Andrew's favorite books ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They find out that she actually stole the souls from this guy named Master Pandemonium uh, to put into the babies. Uh, yeah. So I, I am loving um, uh, this show. I do also like Vision and, and Scarlet Witch quite a lot because they did feature heavily in West Coast Avengers over the years. Uh, and so should we talk about what we think is going on? I, you know, I think we should. I think okay. we should. I think we should. Well, let's hit it, Andrew. So here's some quick high level things, not comprehensive. So we know that Scarlet Witch can reshape reality. She can make, you know, she can change reality for the entire planet. She can create bubbles of her own reality. And based on the end of episode three, it seems like she's created her own bubble of reality around this place called Westview. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Did you spend a lot of time staring at that sign right before Geraldine uh, went past? Uh huh. Yeah. Oh my God. I could not read one thing on the right side. It said <laughs> eyes. Eyes on the, and then something that started with an S and a T. I'm not sure what it is. Anyway, um, right. And obviously there's people outside. We keep seeing recurring sword imagery. So between the yeah. journal at the end of episode one, uh, the uh, helicopter uh, logo emblem on the toy helicopter episode two, uh, then of course, and then, yep, in yeah. episode three. Uh, but we also, but if, if this is what's kind of been chewing on is that if Scarlet Witch is causing this, we keep seeing Hydra. In the in the commercials, two of the three yep. commercials have featured Hydra. Um, you know, the the third one's Hydra phone. Oh no, Hydra Hydra something bath powder. Uh, you know, in the second one, it's Strucker watches, as in Baron von Strucker. Right. Yep. Uh, but so I can't figure out what role Hydra it might well, be playing. So in. here's what I think, Andrew. My theory yep. is that just like House of M, this was her doing that. She's done this, but she's been influenced to do it. I okay. think she was being used, and while she has, she's getting more control over it, and it is her kind of mind breaking. I think that Hydra has whispered in her ear, or maybe they tried to use her to do something, and it backfired. Gotcha. I have a so, feeling that a lot of the people in the city may actually be Hydra agents. Well, and I think that the the reason why you're seeing Hydra imagery is that Hydra, I believe, we see we see what I believe is an AIM agent at one point. Yeah, uh, that comes up in the yeah coming up with the beekeeper uniform. Um, but he's I, wearing a sword symbol. You know, I couldn't tell what that symbol was on the back. I, I couldn't either. It looked it looked to me like like maybe this was something for from AIM, and that Hydra was. Uh, you know, the Hydra agents had gone to form aim. Um, that was, that was what, what my head cannon was telling me. But, uh, I, I gotta tell you the, the little drop-ins like the, the sword, uh, emblem on the helicopter, mm-hmm. the sword pendant, uh, that Geraldine was wearing. Um, 
I got to tell you, I mean, it's just got me just glued to the television screen. I mean, just like, what yeah. is that? <laughs> I was driving my wife crazy last night because I kept pausing on uh-huh. the Westview screen, trying to, you know, writing stuff down, like the population, elevation, all that stuff. She's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. There could be clues. Hold on. <laughs> there could be clues. <laughs> yeah, no, I very much think, I mean, it's going to be Wanda, but I don't think it's going to be just Wanda. Well, I think she's been manipulated or influenced for it to... And I I don't know that I'm inclined to believe that she's been that this was her being manipulated from the outset. I mean, what if she created this on her own and then, you know, the evildoer showed up to to manipulate it once it was already happening? You know, what if because I can imagine her being just so fundamentally unhappy after the events of Infinity War um, that, you know, she would create a reality in which she could be happy. Um, you know, because you know she's lost her brother, she's lost, she's lost her her, her guy. Uh, I, I I can see her doing that. It, it does make me wonder. I mean, if you've gone and created yourself a, uh, you know, you, you've gone and created yourself a husband, why not create yourself a brother too? Well, I was wondering just... about that too, and I brought it up. And uh, my wife's suggestion is that she has mourned and moved on from her brother, because when you look at it, yeah, That's five true. years happened between the two Avengers movies, but she was one of the people that got snapped. So yeah. she hasn't experienced the five years. She just lost vision, but she lost her brother a while back. And here, so yeah. here's what I'd say about Pietro. I have a feeling we're going to see him before the end of the show. I I've, yeah. I just have a strong feeling we're going to see um, Quicksilver. I mean, we're only a third of the way in. I, I feel like we're going to see him before the end of the show at some point. Uh, you you may be right. You know, from an overall yeah. standpoint, I, I don't know. I feel like... I'm I'm somewhere in the middle between you guys. I don't know if I feel like this is Wanda's complete psychic break and they're just trying to contain it. Um, but you know, because at the same time, Sword seems to be trying to break through to her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, between the radio and Geraldine, who I yep. feel Geraldine is probably the daughter of Captain Marvel's friend. Yeah, Monica Rambeau. Yeah, Monica Rambeau. It's um, the same actress. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, they've said they've said she is. Okay. Well, well then. Okay. Disregard my statement. Um, okay, Which well, would make sense if someone's going to go work for yeah. Sword. You know, someone who's already been involved with Captain Marvel and his friends with her would probably end up in Sword, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know how yeah, the series. Could... The... Go ahead. I say based on the broadcast, I don't think they knew for sure what was going on in there. No. They, I don't think they realized that it was Wanda doing it. I think they thought someone was doing it to her and forcing her. So they're trying to rescue her, not realizing that she's probably the bad guy. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Well, and they set Go up on, sword Paul. at the end of Spider-Man, right? The the most recent Spider-Man movie. In a very roundabout, oblique way, which I yep. thought might be sword, but definitely this series seems to confirm that sword. Yeah. Because you know, at the end of Far From Home, all you, you see, you know, uh, Nicholas F- uh, Fury hanging out in a starship somewhere, and he's like, and you find out, you know, sc- uh, skull- scrolls have been, you know, impersonating him on Earth, and he's like, time to get to work. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm very curious as how the mystery will unfold, but I like that. It, it, it's funny because if this was a comic book series, we'd be three issues, and I'd be like, get to the story already. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think the half hour bites help. I feel like if it were if they were an hour long episodes, I I would probably feel like okay I'm ready for the yeah. story to really get yeah. ramped up. But at half yeah. hour bites, it's easily digestible, and there's enough in every episode to that we we're feeling the the impending dread uh, of what the reveal actually is. So I'm well, I'm you I'm know on board. what else I think 
You know what else I think helped, Paul? Hmm. That they did the first two episodes dropped at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. If we watch yeah, these three weeks, yeah. If we watch these three weeks apart, I think we would have been asking, when are we going to get to the real story? And how many times but have by... we said that about streaming service, uh, streaming service shows? It would be better if they released the first two episodes as one. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel yeah. like we say that a lot. So yeah. good, good on Disney Plus. You know, smart. Well, smart. I think Disney's really figured this out. I, you know, I they listen to our I podcast. Was, I was excited to uh, that there was going to be all these MCU TV shows, but on the other hand, I was like, "Agents of Shield," <laughs> and you know they they really are treating this like a serious project, you know, and I, it, it's unlike any of the other Marvel properties we've seen. I just, I'm, I'm just thrilled about it. I, I'm I'm super excited about it, and I hope they stick the landing because so far, three episodes in, this has been a hoot. You yeah, know, and, and they're they, trying to time these so they'll pretty much always have a Marvel show going, too. Yeah. And, and I, I, think say, that, I think that's awesome. Kind of their attention to detail in it, like the recreation of not exactly the Brady Bunch house, but the uh-huh. really similar Brady Bunch house. And, and the fact that they're doing a new opening uh, credit every scene time. every yeah, episode yeah. to kind of reflect the genre that they're in for that episode. And I love ever since I saw her in Parks and Rec, I've loved Catherine, Catherine Hahn. Yeah, so I'm. Great loving her in this show uh, and i gotta it, say I, yeah. i'm not a big elizabeth I, I i'm not a big elizabeth olsen fan she has won me over with wandavision mm-hmm. um and, and i gotta say i'm late to the party didn't realize that she was an olsen sister so I, did <laughs> not re- I did not know that that her she was the baby sister of the olsen twins I, that's how far out of touch i am so <laughs> Catherine Hahn, she's the one playing agnes right correct yeah my the theory on her is that that's uh oh Madam the Hydra? Witch, no, the witch of oh, the Marvel Universe. Ag- Agatha Harkness. Yes. I you think know, that's I, her trying to break I, through and trying to get through to her. I had a similar thought after the first two episodes that she was someone, but after that third episode where she's talking to Herbert, uh-huh. you know, because Herb's trying to tell her that, that you know, everyone here is, is, and she's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, X-nay, I don't know. X-nay. Maybe she's just one of everybody else, but maybe you know Ag- Agnetha Harkness is a good uh, is a good guess, Wayne, for yeah. sure. And it's a pull from Wanda in the comics. I mean, oh yeah, I mean she was uh, Wanda's stepmom, essentially our adopted well, mother. Really, she's the one who taught her, you know, magic, the um, magic part of her hex powers. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, she played a huge role. But I would say if this is her, it is a very young and hot Agnetha Harkness. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe take on Aunt May, right? Yeah, Very true. You, know, yeah. you want to make your old ladies bangable. <laughs> <laughs> that's a smart move. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, guys. Well, you know, clearly we like WandaVision. Uh, you know, Paul is on on the uh, on the uh, lower end of liking it, but the rest of us love. No, no, I'm this on the show. higher end. I was on no, the lower no, you're end not. of we anticipation. We heard you. We heard you. Words have meaning, Paul. That's right, Paul. <laughs> but the, but the, you and took the Wanda's wrong meaning from my words. Wanda's coming for you. <laughs> Wanda's coming for you. Please. That Don't was, go to I'm okay with this. <laughs> well, I think what, maybe we should uh, jump into the Funny Book Awards. We should award what some awards. That's let's right. Get, let's give out some ham. ba ba da ba 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 I'm not inserting actual music, so that was it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> So our first category. So as a reminder, funny books. You know the funnies awards or funnies or whatever the hell you want to call them. You know it, we we go over our favorite in comics and comic related media over the year. Uh, you know we we start 
with our first category, favorite supporting character. Uh, so I guess we'll we'll do the round robin here. So as you put out your character, just go ahead and name the next person in line. So I guess I'll start with this one because I'm already talking. So I had two in mind for this. I was debating between Beta Ray Bill from the recent Thor arc or Batgirl um, as portrayed in Three Jokers and honestly in, in Joker War. I, I enjoyed her her arc in Joker War. And I went with Batgirl. I feel like this year Batgirl had some character growth that I hadn't seen in her character in a while. Um, and really enjoyed the revelations of her character and her interactions with Jason Todd and Batman and Three Jokers. Her, her moments with the Joker in Joker War. So my favorite supporting character was Batgirl for 2020. Wayne? Wayne. So... I thought about supporting character, and there were a couple of them that came to mind, but I really wanted to go with a supporting character that didn't have their own book right now. And, you know, because I thought about, like, the Jonathan Kent and things like that, but I think I put him more up on, like, the hero route. So for me, the one that really surprised me, the standout supporting character that makes the book that she's in is Patsy Walker. I, I, I like Patsy Walker in uh, the pages of Iron Man, and, and uh, uh, I, I think she is a strong supporting character. I think that's a good call, Wayne. However, you're wrong, and, <laughs> and uh, Paul, you're wrong. The, for me, the, uh, the favorite, the best supporting character in 2020 was from a book I think we're going to hear quite a bit about as we move through the funnies, and that is Sigurd in the pages of Seven Secrets. He is the secret father of the, of the uh, hero character, and his death broke my heart in that book. Um, yeah. And he and he did what supporting characters are supposed to do. He, you know, he pushes the protagonist forward. You know, he 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 pushes the story. Um, I, uh, I I I just deeply deeply enjoyed Sigurd just for the brief amount of time that we've gotten got to know him in the pages of Seven Secrets. Uh, he, he's my favorite supporting character. Yeah. It's a really good call, Aaron, because he's also a character that his death continues to inform the series without exactly. being a floating head of guilt like in a spider-man book right yeah, exactly aaron that's a good good pick and i think you're right i think we'll hear more yeah. about seven secrets as we go on but on this one i agree with uh wayne i i also put down patsy walker it, she is the best she's really the only reason to read the first three issues of that iron man series uh i you know, really wish that that it was hellcat and Iron, and Iron Man. Man. Yeah, right? <laughs> she just constantly serves as a foil to show, uh, you know, to Tony Stark's self-indulgent, you know, kind of um, uh, attitude and entitlement that he walks around with. And his kind of when he falls into these kind of spirals of, you know, pity. Oh, no one likes me. No one appreciates me. Oh, woe is me. You know, she's there to point out, you know, that he's very privileged in what he can do, that, you know, he has the world at his fingertips. Uh, and that, you know, real people have real problems. Um, and even to the point where, you know, in a bad way, I guess, when, when you know, Tony abandoned her on the street as she's having her mental breakdown uh, so he can run after his, uh, you know, his white whale. Um, yeah, I, I, Patsy Walker is definitely my pick for supporting uh, uh, a member of uh, 2020. Yeah, and she really does support him. She makes him a better character. She, she tries does. to. She yeah. tries to real hard. Yeah, so, and, and she's very much his conscience in that book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we Andrew with the tiebreaker. 
Yeah, look at Andrew. So we, we, I'll remember this, Andrew. <laughs> we have an official winner of our first category with Patsy Walker. Hellcat. Ding, 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 ding. And I think we'll hear about Crystal Cantwell, uh, who writes that Iron Man book some more as we go on as well. Oh, I will we. Okay. <laughs> not, not from my end, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> so, you know, every year... We have a, 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 a deep and rich conversation about favorite villain. Because you and... always want it to be Batman. Is it Batman again, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can I can I can legitimately say Batman appears nowhere on my list this year. All right. Uh, but favorite villain, you know, we sometimes like to put our villains in the hero role and our heroes in the villain role. And I gotta say this year for me, uh, you know, frequently Dr. Doom shows up on my list and this year he is, he is hard in the middle of uh, favorite villain. Uh, the series this year, uh, Dr. Doom, uh, I think was really strong despite the fact that, that I feel like it was pressured, uh, at the end by, you know, let's hurry up and finish this story. Um, but I, I enjoyed the journey that the villain, the, the protagonist of the book, uh, took you know he it was dr doom the villain we've always known trying to be a better man and then you know coming back to his villainous roots uh i i I really enjoyed the villain's journey uh in this book and uh dr doom he is my nomination for favorite villain for 2020 uh andrew so I am Doctor Doom adjacent. I did not read the Doctor Doom series. Uh, I expect I'll pick up and trade when it comes out. Uh, and of course, I all my picks are somewhat informed by the fact that I only got back into reading comics seriously in the last three four months. But uh, from the pages of Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man, Doctor Doom, King in Black, number one, I picked Santa Claus, the nullified Santa Claus with his reindeer. <laughs> That was bringing all the gifts for all the horrible uh, boys and girls in the world, all the symbiote gifts. Uh, that is who I picked for my favorite villain of 2020. Good call. Oh, yeah, I got to throw it to someone. Sorry, you're right. Uh, hey, Wayne, who was your favorite villain? So for me, it came down to two. And uh, my honorable mention is Kindred from Amazing Spider-Man. I know I'm the only one on the podcast reading Amazing Spider-Man, but that's been a long burn to find out who he is and long plans and I've really enjoyed reading him, but another villain just really stood out and it made me look forward to the books versus trying to figure out what is the mystery. You know, another villain was the one that was stronger as a villain than as a mystery, and that was Dr. Doom. Damn. So we have a winner. I mean, my vote doesn't even matter, uh, but I wasn't going to vote for Dr. Doom because <laughs> uh, I will tell you. There was no doubt in my mind who my favorite villain of the year was. Donald Blake uh, from the pages of, of the, the current Thor book. Uh, in no other book was I so shocked, repulsed, and on the edge of my seat reading about what, wondering what the villain would do next than I was in reading Thor and the portrayal of Donald Blake in that book this year. So there was no doubt in my mind. But doesn't matter. Dr. Doom took the award for favorite villain. I will say, I think Donald Blake would have been mine had we spent more time with him. Yeah, but, you that know, was my reasoning, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still early on in that story with Donald Blake. Um, and, you know, he spoilers, he appears elsewhere on my list. Um, oh. But uh, uh, 
I, I feel like because we got to spend so much time with with uh, Doctor Doom, uh, that's why I had to go with that because you know that 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 story ended this year and we got mm-hmm. it, most of that story happened this year. Yeah, I mean, fair. I mean, Doctor Doom was definitely a close option for me. He just. Um... I just didn't like the way the series wrapped up. There were there were two I, there were two main storylines in that book, and I didn't care for the ending of either one. Uh, so that that's what what kind of hurt the vote for me there. Sure, but you know, still uh, overall great series. And as we m- move away from our villains, we hop into our favorite hero of 2020. And Andrew, why don't you start us off with your favorite hero of 2020? Sure. Uh, well, I'm going to bring back Tom Taylor's Seven Secrets. Uh, I'm going to pick Caspar as my my favorite hero of 2020. You know, we're, we're on this amazing journey as he learns about himself, learns about reality, and learns about uh, his parents, who, you know, he had, had never really spent any time with. Uh, you know, the way he Kobayashi marooned one of his trials where he just chose not to conform to the dictates that the uh, society had put on him, uh, the way that he has kind of... Um, um, not been consumed by you know pity and self doubt and uh, unlike Iron Man, he's chosen to you know have a more productive uh, way going forward into this world and and dealing with it. So uh, I just find Caspar fascinating, and that's why he was my favorite hero of 2020. Aaron, how about you? Yeah, I have a strong choice, by the way, Andrew. Uh, my favorite hero was Thor. Um, I really appreciated the way Donny Cates has re envisioned that character. Um, I like where we start at the beginning of the series, uh, you know, where he's the all father and he's, you know, uh, you know, hooks up with Galactus to go out and take care of business. And then, you know, the, the, the second arc where he, you know, return returns to earth and he's like, you know, maybe I need to walk around, you know, maybe I need to, you know, take a break, let Donald Blake out of his, out of the hole. And, uh, you know, hijinks ensue. I have really enjoyed that book and I've really enjoyed that character. You know, Donnie Cates came onto the book after, you know, Jason Aaron's epic run. Um, I, I, I think that he has ably and notably, uh, put his stamp on, on, on this. Um, and Thor is my uh, favorite hero of this year. Hey, Wayne, who's your hero? Hell has officially frozen over. <laughs> Damian Wayne Batman from Deceased. Oh. What? I have really I mean there were two deceased books out this year that he was in and I have really loved that character's development and growth and seeing him in the Batman role but being a emotionally aware Batman. It has been a breath of fresh air for a character that I have hated with a passion. I just love everything I'm reading on the page with that version of Damian Wayne. So hell has officially frozen over. I'm voting Damian Wayne. That is crazy talk. That is crazy. Yeah, talk. Wayne, Wayne, are you being held against your will? Are you signaling us to come rescue you? <laughs> <laughs> is is Maybe WandaVision I'm holding you? Maybe I'm having a mental break like Wanda. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, you know, all great options, but for me, uh, I'm going to agree with Aaron on this one. Uh, I I really took to Donnie Cates' uh, portrayal of Thor this year. Uh, I mean, the dude killed Galactus, so, you know, it it, it doesn't get better than that. Thor's, you know, the the three story arcs we had throughout 2020, 
uh, have really just uh, put that character back on my radar because you mentioned Jason Aaron's epic run, but I'd also call it a bit exhaustive because um, I just exhausting, I, exhausting, exhausting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I was like by the end, by probably by about two thirds, and I was like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over, and I, I really just dropped out um, of the Jason Aaron run, uh, but this one run. You know, I don't know that there's a long-term vision, but there's certainly enough of a vision and a, a great writing and and things that I feel like I haven't seen in Thor before, which yeah. you know is unusual. So I give it to Thor for sure. So we have a, a we, we we have had a winner in all three of our first three categories. This That's is crazy. exciting, exciting it, I, stuff. Again, 2020 pro- provides surprises. All right, right. Well, and you know that kind of lends itself to something you mentioned earlier, which is that obviously this year we had um, a, a big gap in our uh, in our entertainment. Comics froze for a couple of months. Uh, well, new print comics froze for a couple right. of months and you know we also had a halt on a lot of movie releases and uh, tv show releases that were originally scheduled for earlier in the year so i'm very yeah because we were supposed we were supposed to be seeing wandavision in 2020 right yeah we were supposed to see i think we also weren't we also see falcon winter soldier yeah yeah both were yeah. supposed to be out before the end of the year right yeah um so you know we we've certainly had and you know we we, we were supposed to see black widow almost a year ago Right. Um, you know, we did actually have two movies released in that time, but that's the next category. Um, you know, or a few movies based on a comic book, uh, theatrically. Um, but our first category in this is favorite TV show based on a comic book. And I don't know about you guys, but I actually uh, struggled to come up with one. Uh, now, there were some that, that certainly were released or that I watched in 2020, but nothing that I would call my favorite. So I actually don't have a vote here. Nor do I. I I gotta say, uh, even as much as I enjoy Doom Patrol and Teen Titans, Titans, yeah, 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 um, I I wouldn't characterize any of them as favorite, and I wouldn't elevate them uh, for an award. You know, I I loved the first season of Umbrella Academy. I have not yet watched season two. Oh, Um, I I uh, and I I don't know what it is. I just I haven't had the desire to watch that. That's how Uh, I feel about Doom Patrol. I haven't. I loved the first season. Loved it. Yeah. But I haven't watched the second season. I just haven't felt the desire to. Yeah. Well, I, and there's just such an absence. Like you know, the CW shows are all crap. Um. And I just I just can't bring myself to it. And I only enjoyed the first couple of episodes of Star Girl. So I, hmm. I I I have literally no candidate here. Well, I and, had and an just... easy choice on this one. I mean, so I loved Star Girl, but it's not the best i mean it's got a bunch of issues it's just a show that i really enjoy but umbrella academy season two was incredible yes i watched that the moment it dropped and even on a regular year this would be my pick for best of the year i've got to watch i haven't watched even a single scene me either so i will i actually uh so i had two candidates i was going between uh and i ended up picking the same as wayne but the other one that was kind of my honorable mention would be the lock and key uh netflix series as well but yeah no season two of umbrella academy is in my opinion so much better than season one season one to me was like eh, it's okay i got through it i wasn't wowed season two uh really advances some of the the storylines flesh out vanya's storyline allison's uh it is in my opinion so much better than season one and i highly recommend you guys check it out yeah it is definitely a home run i loved season two and i haven't seen lock and key either 
Lock and Key was also really good. And I yeah. love the comics of Lock and Key. I just didn't check out the... Uh, I, I never actually checked out the series. Mostly because, I, you know, it, there were so many delays and struggles with getting that thing released. I was like, meh. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's worth checking it, it, out. It's, it's, uh, it's not exactly... It doesn't, you know, exactly track with the graphic novels. But uh, actually, after watching it, that inspired me to go out and buy up the rest of the uh, Lock and Key uh, graphic novels and read all of them back to back. So it was, it was, it was good. Yeah, unlike my favorite movie choice, my favorite TV show was one that I said it would have made it on a regular year. Now, if if WandaVision had dropped in 2020 as planned, I think that would have obviously been my pick. But yeah, yeah, out of what was out there, Umbrella Academy season two was was quite good. So, you know, similar for favorite movie, but I do have a a nomination here. Uh, You know, we saw, you know. The, the, the big tentpole movies were all shifted out of 2020 with, with the exception of a few such as wonder woman, which, you know, was a terrible, terrible film <laughs> and suicide squad, which was just slightly better than wonder woman, yeah. not suicide squad, birds of prey. But, uh, you know, I did have a, a, there was a comic book movie that I really enjoyed this year. It wasn't a great movie, but it's a, a movie that, that I'll nominate and it's old guard. And I hope they make a sequel to it. I uh, I really I really enjoyed the comic. I really enjoyed the movie. And what I liked about it is it was a low budget comic book film that uh, hewed very closely to the comic, and we get to see some stuff on screen we don't get to see all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Charlize Theron is uh, terrific in that film. So that's my nomination. Yeah. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What What are your thoughts around favorite movie? You know, as we have this conversation, I, I wanted to double check because there was something that I knew was based on a comic, but I just wanted to make sure. And it's because it's a stretch. Um, uh-huh. I did not care for The Old Guard. I did not care for Birds of Prey. I did not care for Wonder Woman. You know, of course, there was... I don't care was, for you. I don't care for <laughs> you. Um, I didn't see The Last Days of American Crime, which is also based on a comic book. Um, I did enjoy... Justice League Dark Apocalypse War quite a bit. I did enjoy Superman Man of Tomorrow quite a bit, uh, you know, the animated movies. But the one I enjoyed the most that is based on a comic, though not a superhero comic, was Netflix's Extraction. Uh, Netflix's Extraction is based on a graphic novel by Andy Parks, uh, and it features Chris Hemsworth in uh, dire- and it's directed by Sam Hargrave. And if you're not familiar oh, with the, yeah. the name Sam Hargrave, that. yeah, he's the guy who's responsible for all those great action sequences in The Winter uh-huh. Soldier and Civil War that we, yeah. we really uh, take to. Um, and he directed this entire movie. And, you know, though it may not be the best written movie, it's just got a <laughs> shit ton of action. Well, um, and him takes up beating in that movie yeah Yeah, he does (laughs) so you know in in a year of limited options i I actually go with extraction how about you wayne so i have to say i haven't seen either of the ones that uh, you and aaron mentioned they are on my list to watch but i can't judge either movie for me there was only one that i even enjoyed this year and that was superman man of tomorrow it's a good choice it was a good movie yeah i really enjoy getting back to form with superman Yes, it was an origin, but I thought it was a really well done origin. And it did a good job of building up the character and setting the stage for new stories with the character going forward in animated form. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, the old guard, I enjoyed it. Extraction. It was if you like action sequences, it is a a great uh, action movie. Not much for plot, though. Right. For me. 
after the pandemic began, I only got out to the theater to see a movie in person once. And the only thing that tempted me out, uh, out of what was out there to go back was the, uh, new mutants movie, uh, featuring, you know, like Maisie Williams as rain, uh, Anya, Anya Taylor joy as Ileana, Charlie Heaton as Sam Guthrie. And Aaron had mentioned earlier about, and this is not an MCU movie, but Aaron had mentioned earlier about how they take these superheroes and put them into all sorts of different genres. And this was the superhero horror film genre. And it was really well done. I, Knowing the people involved, the heroes and their abilities, I, I figured out what was going on relatively early, but it was a really good movie, and I, I would recommend it. And now we know who yeah, watched it. Tina. Yeah. <laughs> You're that <laughs> one. I mean, it was one of the few things that came out during the pandemic yeah. that was that you could actually get you know, that, Tenet, some other things, but um, it was it was quite good. It was uh, definitely, and they do change some things from the comic books about how the new mutants come together, obviously, but um, it, it was quite good. I'm waiting until yeah, it's a, a little cheaper, right? It, it's still $6 to rent, which isn't that bad, honestly, or $20 to buy. But I just, I'm sure it'll be on Disney Plus or something within a few months. So I'm, I'm holding yeah. out for it. Yeah, it's what, gonna be and on when one, it is, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's okay. going to be on, on one of your 20 streaming services. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, watch it, watch it, watch it at night with the lights out. And uh, it's, it's pretty good. Okay. That's so, excellent. So no winner on that category. Um, but you know, it, it, but the, the fact that we actually had four nominations this year is, is, is pretty surprising. Um, yeah. so, but too bad we don't have Tim with us this year because we are about to hop into his favorite category. <laughs> favorite category. The, the Tim Shaw Memorial favorite cover Ah, uh, Tim. Oh, Tim. <laughs> so I'll start us off on this one. Um, my favorite cover of 2020 was X-Men issue 9. Even, you know, despite what my feelings are on Jonathan Hickman's uh, X-Men whatever, you know, uh, oversight of the X-Men books, I the, the cover for X-Men 9, which is by Laniel Francis Yu, and features a very movie poster style interpretation of the X-Men and the Star Jammers uh, together. I, I looked at that cover and I instantly bought the book, even though I hadn't bought the previous six issues. <laughs> um, because one, I love the Star Jammers. Two, yeah. I, I, if that was a movie poster, I would be first in line to see that movie. It is just, and it features Brew, and you can't go wrong with Brew on your cover. Um, just that is my cover of the year. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. I just really think there needs to be a Star Jammers movie. I am surprised I, there hasn't been yet, um, but yeah. I, you know, I guess they're trying to figure out how to differentiate it from between uh, Guardians. From Guardians, yeah. yeah. And well, and they the could introduce of, them in Guardians. Yeah, that's true. But without the context of Cyclops, I feel like uh, you know you're setting up the the reverse in mystery, right? Um, <laughs> but I guess we'll see. You know, there, I would love to see a movie with featuring the Star Jammers. That that would be my movie of the year if it ever came out. So I love that movie. So Aaron, what was your cover of the year? Well, you know, keeping with the nines, uh, issue nine of Thor, uh, with a beautiful, uh, Olivier Copia, Laura Martin cover. Um, it's the, the cover features, you know, Thor looking into what might be a mirror, uh, and, you know, seeing, you know, Donald Blake, you know, Thor holding the hammer, Donald Blake holding his, uh, walking stick. 
And, you know, what I love about this cover is, number one, it's just beautifully drawn. Olivia Copiel, you can't go wrong there. But it also, you know, te- you know, it indicates, you know, hey, we're going to get to s- spend some time with Donald Blake in this book. And, you know, you, you it, Donald Blake very much, uh, you know, looks like the Donald Blake we know of old, you know, uh, mild-mannered physician Donald Blake. And so it lulls you in. The cover ser- serves the purpose of lulling you into the comfort of stories that we've experienced before. And, you know, maybe this is going to be a bit of nostalgia in this book. And this book blows your mind later. And the cover serves the purpose of setting the stage that make you think I'm going to get this, you know, just very comforting grilled cheese sandwich of a book. And, you know, the next thing, you know, you've got this crazy thing happening in the book. And I, I just, I think the cover really serves that purpose. So issue nine Thor by Olivia Copiel and Laura Martin. Uh, Wayne. So we almost continued the, uh, the nine trend because my runner up was, <laughs> was issue number nine of Dr. Doom. The one that has the uh, the doom face on half, that was, and then the that, clean doom face. I will honestly say that was the other the the other cover I was strongly considering because I feel like this cover does the same thing that the Thor cover does, uh, where it tells you the duality of this character is front and center uh, in this story because you know the story is is talking about how doom is trying to be a better man and then fighting with that better man the 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 opposition to the doctor doom we've all known and loved is victor von doom minus the crazy i i i this this cover serves the same purpose that Thor number nine did. And and that's why it was my strong second contender. Yep. This is my strong second, but for my first choice, it's a cover that I bought the book entirely because of the cover. Those always immediately go on to my list as potential for the best covers. And it was Batman Pennyworth RIP, the special looking cover. Yeah. The special one shot about Alfred and regardless of the content of the book itself, the cover has the art is beautiful for what it does. You've got Alfred standing, you know, over Bruce with his hands over Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne's headstones. And it just tells a story. And one look at that cover and I had to read the story that it was telling. Andrew? Yeah, I went uh, with Miskatonic number one uh, by uh, Jeremy Wan and Nick uh, Feraldi. Uh, you know, it's I love the picture of Agent Keller standing there in front of her cork board, uh, you know, looking with her little FBI badge on 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 her waist, her her trench coat on. But then you start looking at the pictures and the symbols that are that are tacked up on the cork board behind her. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you're like, it's kind of obvious that it's going to be not a, you know, hide the you know, keep moving the cheese and, you know, kind of try to build suspense because stuff that's on the board behind her by itself. You're like, that's some. Uh, that's some disturbing stuff. So uh, I picked uh, Miskatonic number one uh, as my cover of the year. So no clear winner here unless someone's looking to change a vote, Paul. No. <laughs> we, we always – we never have a winner. It's always four different yeah, covers for that cover. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's a, it was a great year for, for some comic book art. And, um, you know, it was also a year where we had numerous holy shit moments – uh, yes. This year, this meta. is always my favorite category. Uh, you we, know, we had both meta holy shit moments and uh, in story holy shit moments. Yeah, tons of holy shit moments. I mean, it was a holy shit year. 
quite frankly. That's true. right. Um, true. But why don't we? Why don't Wayne? You start us off with your holy shit moment. I know you're excited because you you, you okay. mentioned your holy shit moment earlier in the week that you were excited to talk about. Yeah, I mean, this is my favorite category, and I struggled on this one between did I want to stick entirely within the comic stories or go meta with it? And I had six choices to finally pick from. But my big one, my biggest holy shit that I read the story and immediately said holy shit, and we talked about it for months, and it potentially had the biggest impact on the industry that we've seen was diamond distributors not shipping yeah when they made that announcement that was just the floor dropping out from the industry nobody talked about anything else comic related for months well that got worked out yeah well and dc left diamond as a result yeah right Uh, that was actually number three on my list (laughs) was dc ending its deal with diamond but it really is tied together because they ended their deal they had that opportunity to end it because it didn't ship. Right. And ultimately, I think that's the right decision for DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Aaron, I think I know what yours is going to be, but I'm tossing it over to you next. I have a number, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'm only going to give my primary here, and we can talk about the other things in my list if, if some of the other guys don't pick them. Uh, but you know, like yourself, Wayne, I, 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 the you know, pandemic was, and its impact on the industry was was high on my meta level. But for uh, in an actual comic book story, uh, and and I had a couple here, but in, in an actual comic book story, the appearance of Madman in crossover issue three spoilers, uh, by the yeah. way, um, was fucking huge. Um, I, uh, I, I just, it blew my mind and, you know, the whole time, it, you know, in the first three issues of this series, it's all that's out right now. Um, you know, you, you have this sense, like, are, are we going to bring in some other properties? Are we going to bring in, uh, characters from other universes that are owned by other, you know, uh, writers and sure enough, you know, Madman shows up on the last page of Crossover 3. And, I mean, mind exploded. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, you know why that one didn't make my list? Because you don't know who Madman is? No, because issue number three came out January 6th. Oh! Okay. It wasn't in my mention specifically because I, of that. Otherwise, it would have been. So uh, Aaron's vote means So you nothing. get to pick another one, disqualified. too. My nomination is disqualified. <laughs> sick burn, Wayne. Sick it, burn. Was, it was definitely a holy shit moment when I saw that yeah, page. That is a sick burn, man. There's the strike yeah, through. Okay. Disqualified. Yeah, no, I actually did look that up specifically because it would have been on my list otherwise. Ugh. Aaron, you got a backup? <laughs> I do. I do. And, you know, it's it's just as big. You know, it's just as big a mind blower, and it's Donald Blake and Thor number nine. You yes. know, we we see, uh, we expect to see mild mannered uh, Donald Blake return to form, walking the streets of the Marvel universe, and what we get is probably the best new villain that Marvel has produced in years. Certainly, the most surprising. Um, I, uh, I I was amazed at how dark and twisted and reasonable this character is because, you know, Donald Blake has been off the stage for years and years and years. I mean, you know, it's almost like we've completely forgotten the fact that Thor ever had a secret identity and for him to have, it's not just, Hey, I've, you know, I'm just waiting for you to you know strike that hammer on the ground. 
you know, that he's been doing stuff and essentially stuck in a prison and what that has done to him. Uh, I, 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 I loved the entire thread on Donald Blake and it's got me excited as to what else is coming. So yeah, Donald Blake, Thor number nine. That was the answer I expected you to give Aaron. And it (laughs) it was on my list. Donald Blake psycho. Yeah. Yeah. How could he not be? How could he not be? And I'll, I'll go back you know, I've said this all year long in 2020. I don't know how Tim's not reading this book because that Thor is hidden. I mean, I, I know that he's not into the cosmic stories, but there was so much more, in the Galactus story, and certainly so much more in the Donald Blake story. Yeah, and I they just, brought back Beta Ray Bill, and then in a good we, way. Yeah, in a good way because Donald you know, Beta Ray Bill is a hard character to write, and he's a hard character to draw, and both of those are are hitting all things. And let's not forget, and I'm I'm I, another holy shit moment of mine was Tony Stark's working phone number on Thor's hammer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Because I was like, well, I'm dialing that right now. And, you know, you get Tony Stark's voicemail. Uh, Well, another one, the last page of this last issue where Donald Blake is confronting Frog Thor. Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe Tim is up in heaven reading Thor. We don't know. (laughs) They they, they might get it up there. They might. Uh, Depending on which heaven he's in. Oh, right. Right. True. True. Maybe he's in the as hopefully he's in the Asgardian heaven. Maybe he's in Valhalla. He's not a digital guy, so it's just a matter of where Diamond can get to. So. <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, I think my holy shit moment for 2020, Aaron, you alluded to it earlier. It was in uh, Seven Secrets number one, and that was the death of Sigurd, Casper's uh, dad. Uh, I won't go over it uh, at length, but that first issue makes you so emotionally involved with Sigurd and um, uh, his wife, or sorry, his uh, holder. Um, that, and you think the story is going to be focusing on them going forward. And then at the very end of issue one, nope. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And Andrew, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Andrew, that was definitely on my list of six. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, I was like, holy shit, they just killed Sigurd. Uh, yeah, that, that was my, uh, holy shit moment of, uh, 2020. Paul. Well, mine was a toss was was between two options now obviously it like all of yours have been good um you know and one of them was uh, wonder woman tearing out superman's spine in the pages of wonder woman dead earth to use it as a mace as an indestructible oh mace. yeah that was kind of cool um i mean that was, that was like oh it's this kind of book. Um, I, I genuinely <laughs> yeah, I, was not expecting that. I uh, forgot about it. That should have been on my list too. <laughs> uh, but for me, the the while that was a cool moment, what moment really truly was holy shit and continues to create holy shit moments out of it is the Thor Donald Blake reveal that Aaron mentioned. Yeah. Um, it, so that that was my choice of holy shit moment of the year. And we're back to a category with a winner, Donald Blake. So, Aaron, were there any holy shits from your list that didn't make it? Didn't Um, you mention? The death of Chadwick Boseman. Oh, Uh, yeah. You know, we didn't know that he was sick. And, uh, I mean, it just completely came out of the blue. Uh, And still, I I just, I I, uh, marvel at the fact that he's gone. Yeah, uh, and that 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 is a loss that has really hit me, and it, and it surprised me. You know, he's one of those guys, those actors who worked up until his last days. 
right? And, and he didn't tell people. No. Like, it is so difficult. Like, I've had family members go through chemo, and I know what it does to you. Yeah. And he went through chemo and then came on set to do action movies. Yeah. I mean, that guy is just, he was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Not, and, and certainly missed. And that, it, I, you know, 2020, the, while we are talking about some great comic books, uh, there is certainly, we've, we experienced a ton of loss in the year of 2020 and, and none more striking than uh, Chadwick Boseman. So that's kind of a big downer. So yeah. uh, <laughs> any other holy shit moments that uh, we need to, we need to chat about guys. The only other one I had on my list was one that uh, didn't make the cut because they undercut it issues later. And that was she Hulk turning into a plant zombie. Yeah. During empire. Yeah. And that is exactly why I didn't make my list, you know, was because they undid it, you know, I, but I, I did enjoy it in the pages, though. All right, guys. Wow. So uh, favorite limited series or original graphic novel. And for me, there was only one. There was only one that could possibly be considered. Mm. And that was Pulp by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Oh, that oh, was shit. I forgot about. That. Wow. A, yeah, no, th- a freaking amazing book. I mean, uh, I. I remember when I bought it, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of expensive. And, you know, I don't really know, uh, you know, what the story is going to be. And it was just so it was such a refreshing book. And I remember Paul had the same reaction I did that it was just it, it was an amazing, you know, pulpy, noirish sort of story, uh, you know, beginning, middle and in the end. It, it's just it's it's a great book. And I, and I think it's one of those kind of books that uh, is good to hand to people who are thinking about getting into comics. Wow, that is such a strong choice, Aaron. I forgot about it, and now I'm debating: Do I want to change my answer? <laughs> I'm not debating. Because... I'm, I'm changing my answer. I'm going with pulp. Uh, you know, All because right. I was yeah. torn. I, I, my choices. I was torn between Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, Green Lantern, Earth One, Volume Two, um, Three Jokers. Like for me, didn't stick the landing as much, so that wasn't. Um, you know, that was the third place. But I had forgotten about pulp, and for me, it's it, pulp was. Pulp was absolutely a masterpiece of comic books. And so I'm going to go for that. I'm going to change my answer, too, because for me, (laughs) first, it was an easy choice. It was Maestro. Oh, yeah. And but Pulp, you're right. I had forgot about it. That book was so incredible. And that I remember going into it, not really being sure what I was going to get and just being utterly blown away. Well, I'm going to write down, hold on, let me write down on my list here, by Pulp. <laughs> yes, definitely, Andrew. So, Andrew, since your I vote have... doesn't count, what, what's your what's your stupid vote? Like, you know, my, my vote was not going to be a winner regardless. I, this was actually something I picked up on a lark. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Cyberpunk, either the role-playing game or the, the most recent video game, 2077. But they came out with Dark Horse, came out with a four-issue limited series called Cyberpunk 2077 Trauma Team by Colin Bunn a writer in Miguel uh, Valderrama did the art on it. And essentially uh, trauma team, if you're familiar with maybe more, more familiar Shadowrun, trauma team is this high threat response, medical armed uh, unit that, you know, they have VTOLs, they fly in, there's these teams of, you know, some of them are soldiers that, you know, suppress anyone who might be attacking. The other ones are medics that grab whoever the high paying client is uh, and jerks them out uh, and gets them to a hospital to be, um, uh, you know, get definitive treatment. So, this one focuses on this med tech who on the first issue, they go out on a mission. Uh, there's lots of gunfire and everyone else on our team is killed. So then we kind of go through her 
rehabilitation as she tries to become fit for service again. And then we finally see what happens on her first mission after she gets back out in the field. And it's a really good story. I, I like the art style. Uh, I'm not familiar with uh, Miguel Valderrama, but it, the art's really, really good. He he's, can draw that kind of high modern day technology uh, very well, does gunfights really well. Uh, and the story, kind of the, the tortured decision making and, and journey this person, this lady goes on, uh, is really good. Nice okay. choice. I haven't, I haven't read it though. No, so yeah, I'm not uh, familiar I'll with check it. that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but Pulp is our winner. Three ways. I mean, even though only one of us actually had it in mind coming into the show. <laughs> uh, so now we're getting like my score is better this year than it's ever been before. I think it's taken me, you know, eleven years to get to this place. You know, I, I leveled up. <laughs> Can I feel the same way, Aaron? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, let's see who our nominees are for favorite comic book writer of 2020. Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go with Tom Taylor and Seven Secrets. Out of, again, I have a limited exposure to books in 2020, but out of all the books I've read, there are really only two that have engaged me to the point where as soon as I pick them up, I grab them and read them immediately. One is Tom Taylor, uh, and then the other one on Seven Secrets. And the other one, uh, I believe it's Jed McKay who's writing Taskmaster. Uh, and those are the two that just, I pick it up and I immediately, you know, read it. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Usually I wait, I'll buy them, wait a couple days, read them on Friday before we talk. But those I read day they come out. Uh, and Tom Taylor's, I don't have some of the baggage some of the rest of you guys have on some of his other projects, but, uh, he just gets me to care so much about these characters on the, on the page. That's despite the, the, the book being drawn in an art style that is not, my preferred it's not not something that i really uh, reach out for uh but despite the art style that doesn't really jive with me he does such a good job of making me care about all these people and he's re- writing an interesting story about what's going on with the society yeah See, I, actually, I, I, oh sorry go ahead, go ahead paul go uh, ahead. i was gonna say actually I, I have tom king baggage but i don't really have tom taylor baggage and he's my no- nominee for a uh, favorite writer of the year as well between well you know i'll, I'll say that tom taylor's doing a lot of work in that book because you know my thoughts are are very similar to andrew's in that it's not it's an art style that i don't much care for but the writing is so strong that i power through that and like like andrew i generally read that book today day and day right yeah how is this for an endorsement of tom taylor he's the guy that's writing deceased I voted Damian Wayne his favorite hero this year. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. and Injustice, right? I mean, Tom Taylor has had a yes. damn good year. And, and especially because Tom Taylor has strong uh, digital presence, we were still getting Tom Taylor books even when That's we weren't getting print comic books. Right. Yeah, I had two choices this year I was struggling between. And uh, I ended up coming down with Tom Taylor as well because he did Deceased, Injustice, and Seven Secrets. And my runner-up, Donnie Cates... Right did uh crossover and thor it's like we've been talking about three of these books at least well four of them throughout this entire show and you know they were both and the thing that i'll point out about all of those books seven secrets thor crossover those would be good books in any year right it's not just that you know the, the the field is a little thinner than it would typically be because of the pandemic these would be books that are strong in any given year They'll yeah. hold up against any other book. And, you know, I, I, I just I think these these books are super, super strong. I also, you know, uh, a, a, a strong writer as well. Christopher Cantwell. 
yeah. for Doctor Doom. Uh, all of these are great, but yeah, I'm with you guys. Tom Taylor, uh, Seven Secrets, terrific book. Wow. Unanimous, unanimous. Wow. That yeah, does no. not happen very often. No, and it it's not, not. going to happen for artists. I know it's not going to happen for <laughs> artists because I'm about yeah, to. I, I know it's not either. Yeah. Because Paul's about to drop some bullshit. I am. I'm about to drop some bullshit. I'm going to. So I will tell you, Salvador LaRocca almost won this purely because of the two page spread of Dr. Doom riding a fucking bear in the snow. Damn. (laughs) Almost. Damn straight, Paul. Damn straight. Um, But for consistency's sake and uh, for art that fed the story of the book and translated so many different characters in in a way that they were all distinct um which is really hard to do uh, while also portraying um a a magical world around them i went with umberto ramos for strange academy i I just truly adore his art on that book i i i'm gonna jump in because i uh did the exact same thing which is why i knew we wouldn't be uh all together because i knew wayne was not voting for umberto ramos but (laughs) i agree paul i think uh uh, strange academy has some distinct challenges for an artist as far as there are so many characters and you need to try to make them distinct from each other and you're also trying to bring to life this wonderful magical hogwart-esque uh you know academy and I think he does such a good job with it. Uh, I picked Umberto Ramos as well. Aaron, I'm going to make a case for my choice. Okay. <laughs> and hope you're going to uh, decide with me. Because Paul, Paul mentioned him. He's, I love being lobbied. Yeah. <laughs> Paul mentioned my choice. It's Salvador La Roca. And the reasoning is, besides, I had two reasons. One of them was that epic writing on a bear scene. But he is consistent throughout the book as well. But the uh, thing that pushed him over the top for me. Did you know he does most of the covers? Yeah. All of those incredible covers for Doom. Uh And like when I was looking through picking my favorite cover of the year, I was wheedling down Doom covers. You know, that Doom number eight cover that, uh, you know, like all through this been incredible cover. So you got a guy that not only he's telling the story with the art, he has that epic Doom on a bear story. You know, I want that on a poster. But he also did all of those amazing covers. That is next level artist. Mm-hmm. Salvador La Roca is my choice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my runner up before I go to my choice. Uh, my runner up was from the book that came out of nowhere for me, which is Crossover by Donnie Cates. Uh, and the artist there is Jeff Shaw. And I think Jeff Shaw is doing a yeoman's job of communicating visually this very uh, – interesting and complex story that Donnie Cates is telling. Um, I, I love how, you know, it's difficult. You would think it would be difficult to identify, uh, you know, characters who are in the quote real universe versus characters who are in the comic book universe. And Jeff Shaw is just doing a terrific job of, of highlighting that. And, you know, not only that, but also demonstrating how they're hiding their comic bookness. Uh, from the real people. Uh, so I, Jeff Shaw, I just, I, I think he's yeah. just doing an amazing job there in those books. I looked, just, go ahead. Say, I, I looked him up to see if he had done anything else and I didn't know any of his other works. Mm-hmm. I, I thought about him though. Yeah. He's just doing a great job there and, and, and the books are just gorgeous. And, and I think we're going to hear a lot more about Jeff Shaw in, in uh, you know, the, the, the months and years to come, but my favorite artist of 2020 
is an artist who has done some just astounding visual storytelling from interiors to covers uh, to really communicating the emotional drama that the lead character is experiencing. Uh, Salvador La Roca uh, from Dr. Doom is uh, my favorite artist of the year. So we have a tie, two-way tie. For favorite artist, Salvador La Roca for Doctor Doom, who should be the actual real choice. And, uh, <laughs> you can't go wrong with nice. either option. I mean, you could if you were Wayne. Yeah, you could definitely Roberto go Robbins. wrong with Roberto Robbins but, every single time. But two fantastic artists, I, I feel. It, and real quick, as a quick honorable mention, uh, Alessandro Vitti for his work on Taskmaster. I love the yeah. uh, you know the four color art. And the reason he wasn't really in the running for me is because there's only been two issues that came out in 2020. So, uh, but I love love the work he's doing on Taskmaster. Yep, yep. Yeah. So two way tie on our favorite artists. Um, so my favorite event yes. or crossover. I, I just I have to say it. I have to go first, Paul. This okay. is my favorite event or crossover was in fact crossover done i'm out huh it's kind of a meta choice there. <laughs> that's why he's like i have to go first i have to go first i don't have one so I, I actually don't have one and there were a number of events and crossovers right i mean we had the start of king in black we had um you know the uh, some dc stuff and, and marvel stuff but nothing honestly either nothing that i was interested in or nothing that really excited me um, I'm, surprised you I'm surprised you didn't pick Empire or uh, uh, Three Jokers, Paul. Yeah, neither one. Neither one for okay. me. Well, you know, one wow. I didn't read Empire, and two I loved Three Jokers at the start, um, but I didn't care for the, the final issue. Didn't stick the landing for me. Uh, so it's plus, interesting how Three Jokers never even came into the running for me. Not for writer. Not for art. Not for uh, limited, limited series. series. Yeah. yeah, I mean, wow, never even, never even made the, the my 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 outline. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, and the art was really good. Yeah, Jason Fabok did an incredible job on the art of yeah. it. But yeah, no, it didn't really come into the running for me on any of the categories either. So what was yours, Wayne? Stick. Uh, for me, favorite event was easy. It was Empire. I loved that event so much, and. I haven't gotten behind a Marvel event in years, but this felt like an more of like an old school Marvel event to me. And these the lead up books, there were a couple of bad ones, but there were a couple of those lead up books that were just amazing. They pulled out the nostalgia. I love the Hulkling and Wiccan character from, you know, Young Avengers, and they were a big part of this book. I love what they're doing with Fantastic Four, and they were a major part of this crossover as well. It it's been a long time since I've really enjoyed a Marvel crossover, but Empire for me, I I just loved it. Well, there's really only been one event book that I've read in 2020, which was King and Black, and there hasn't been a lot of crossovers, but I hadn't really considered crossover as a crossover so <laughs> but madman yeah. does show up at the end of it so but not I guess until 2021 but the true. title of the book is crossover true it qualifies you know it, <laughs> king of black's been improving but i think i want to go with a uh, crossover uh, ding, ding, ding. It, that's a yeah. good choice I'm, meta. <laughs> a bit meta, I, I'm happy yeah. with it i I'll actually 
I did think about putting it on here, but I'm like, no, they're gonna make fun of me because it's a <laughs> it's a book that there's only been two issues of, and it's just called crossover. It's not actually one yet. Yeah, no, I mean, I uh, I, I think it's acceptable and it's you know really good. I guy, you guys got me into it, and uh, I, I very much enjoyed. I'm curious to see where they go in 2021 with it. Yeah, I'm happy with my vote for Empire, and I'm happy that Crossover won as well. So all right, so Crossover <laughs> won the crossover award <laughs> it's like, it's like an award that was made just for it well and, and spoiler warning i'm not sure future state's gonna win this award in 2020 well, i am pretty sure it won't yeah. <laughs> given what i read this week i'm pretty sure it won't yeah but we are in our top two categories of the year our favorite new series now i struggled with this one I will tell you, I have three. Cho- I had three choices. It was a choice between Thor, Strange Academy, and Seven Secrets for me. And yeah, those are all the, good. The one I went with, and they're one. They're all new series, and two, they're all ongoing series. But I didn't want to give the same award to both. Um, so for me, I, I I went with the one that I feel will that for this category. I went with one that. That feels like, even though it's a, a an ongoing series, it feels like it's limited in nature. It feels like there there's probably an end in sight, um, and is one that you all said something earlier that I agree with. I want to read it as soon as it comes out, and that cat and that one was Seven Secrets. Uh, I went with Seven Secrets as my favorite new series of 2020. Um, Andrew. Yeah, I mean. My issue is that pretty much all the series I'm reading are new series because I just kind of got <laughs> back in. So uh, I'll tell you, I'll, spoiler, my ongoing series is also a new series. But for favorite new series, uh, I went with uh, Taskmaster. Um, you know, we, we talked about uh, Jed McKay, uh, Alexander Vitti. It is one of the two books that I read immediately when it comes out. Uh, it's got such a good sense of humor uh, that it combines with uh, Taskmaster and and you know uh, Fury and and Coulson and and kind of tongue in cheek references that it makes to like the uh, all the different Squadron Supremes that are out there. Uh, so my favorite new series would be Taskmaster. Uh, Aaron, how about yourself? <laughs> I was waiting to be called on. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I first I have to say that the reason why Seven Secrets doesn't make this uh, category for me is that while I very much enjoy the writing by Tom Taylor, I do struggle with the artwork. And so it can't be my favorite s- series. I thought you were going to say the like, reason I didn't vote it is because it came out on 12, 2019 or some shit like that. <laughs> that, that Wayne's going to tell you that. Paul. <laughs> Wayne's going to harsh your mellow. Uh, there were, I, I had three items on my, on my list for favorite new series, all of which uh, have the, the they, they feature the same strengths. They are both strongly written and they are strongly drawn. Uh, you've got champion storytellers uh, working on both sides of the book. Uh, the first of which would be Strange Academy. Uh, I, I just I I really think that's that is a a great fun book. Uh, I get a kick out of it. You know, every time it comes out, I love the back matter in the book. Uh, I, I it's a lot of fun. A book that you know there were only I think six issues of this year. Uh, you know, it really seemed to be hit by pandemic. I don't believe that that was the plan. I don't believe that it was only planned for six, ish, six, six issues, but it started in 2020 and that was Dr. Strange, Surgeon Supreme. I thought that book also was a lot of fun. 
and that it was really creative in telling stories about Doctor Strange that we really haven't seen before. Um, and and and, and I, I I I enjoyed the artwork. I enjoyed the writing. I you know Mark Wade. You know you just can't go wrong with that guy. But the book that hit me square between the eyes as a new book this year, the the book that that surprised me, uh, you know, I, there 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 was another book. Let me just add one more that really surprised me this year, uh, and then I feel like it shit the bed after the first issue, and that was that Texas Blood. Um, I I was yeah. blown away by the first issue, got super irritated. Uh, at the back matter of the book telling me that, you know, the story that we started in the first issue, we're going to come back to much later on when we finish the series. And then they, you know, tell this other story, which it was good. It was good. It just, it never really recaptured the, the momentum I feel like in that first issue. Um, so I, you know, I, I would have thought when I, when I read that first issue, I was like, Oh, that Texas blood is going to, own this this joint this year uh that is not the case my favorite book and you know i've talked about it all through the show uh is crossover by uh uh, donny cates and jeff shaw i just that book is just freaking amazing love that book that's my nomination wayne it is so telling that all of us have listed basically the same couple books i didn't realize thor came out this year i thought it came out in 2019 but it came out in 2020. Otherwise, it would have been a a three-way struggle to figure out which one the new, new series was between Seven Secrets, Thor, and my ultimate winner, Crossover. Yes. Crossover yeah. caught me out of nowhere. Like, I looked at it. I thought it was uh, – I thought the art was really strange. But the art is perfect for the story that is being told. Yeah. Like, when you just look at the preview pages, you don't know the story that's being told. And once you get into it, the book just continues to amaze me in how well written it is, how the art fits the story they're telling, how it just makes you feel, you know, and then reading the back matter to the first issue and seeing the, you know, the motivation for telling the story really struck home as well to to just push it and elevate it up even higher for me. So, yeah. And I think that puts crossover as the winner. Yeah, it, it does. does. It does. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Crossover. Favorite new series of 2020. But every option that everyone said was was great. So if you haven't checked Agreed. out those series, check them out. They're they're fantastic. Well, and, and I haven't finished Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme. There are two issues out there that I've not read. Yeah. Uh, Same. And and, <laughs> and, I, and I need to go out and get them. It's just the 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 break in the pandemic broke my stride in reading that book. And it just demonstrates how easy it is. Even when you're, when you're, you know, an appointment comic book shopper like myself, I mean, I am up first thing on Wednesday morning, you know, pulling down my books. I don't know how I missed those books. Yeah. And I missed the last issue until I saw the trade come out and then realized there was an issue I missed. That's crazy. Well, number one, final category, our favorite ongoing series. Now, um, I'm not going to start. I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Aaron to start us off. All right. Well, I, I'm going to go with my runner up first and then I'll, I'll give you my actual nomination. And and I, the, one of the books, again, uh, appointment reading for me, Day and Date, uh, is is a book that, that, that I read every time. We never talk about it on the show. In fact, not on this show. We talk about it on another show we do. Uh, but it's Star Trek Year Five. 
uh, I have super enjoyed the uh, IDW uh, take on the original series and, you know, filling out those corners of uh, the first five-year mission of the USS Enterprise under Captain Kirk. Some beautiful stories there, uh, you know, not just, hey, we're going to tell the comic book story about the Star Trek fun and the hijinks, but things that really probe uh, what Star Trek does best, you know, featuring, uh, you know, telling a story about what's happening right now in our world and, uh, you know, teaching lessons uh, while also making it fun science fiction uh, adventure. Uh, I've really enjoyed Star Trek Year Five and, you know, great writing, great art. Uh, lots of fun. Um, but my, my book for, for 2019, I'm sorry, 2020 <laughs> is, uh, is a book we've talked about throughout the show. And the reason why it is my favorite ongoing series is I think that it is super hard to take a character that's been around for decades and show us something new. So show us something refreshing and, and not just, you know, play the hits, you know, that we're used to, that we're used to reading about, you know, just kind of retreading old stories, but bringing out something, something new and adding to the mythology around that character. And that's Thor. The work that Donnie Cates is doing is just amazing in that book. Um, I, the 2020 really has sh- demonstrated to me that Donnie Cates is the next big thing. Um, I, if you guys have not read his run on Guardians of the Galaxy, you are missing out. It is a terrific book. Uh, and, you know, he's just got a very unique uh, sort of perspective on these books. It reminds me, not in cer- certainly not the same way he's telling stories, but it reminds me about the sort of fresh take that Jonathan Hickman had when he arrived at Marvel. You know, when he came in and says, hey, I've got some stories to tell. Uh, I, I just I'm getting a big kick out of Donny Cates. He's he's my guy right now. And Thor is my nomination for favorite ongoing series. Hey, Wayne, talk to us about yours. All right. Well, I had two to pick from, really. And both of them were written by Donny Cates. <laughs> Actually, I had three to pick from because uh, looking at the books, I mean, it was down to Thor, Seven Secrets and Crossover you know, for my favorite ongoing and crossover only had two issues and I was already giving it for new secret, new series. So I took it out of the running and brought it down to just Thor versus secret seven secrets, both incredible books, but you know, you basically made the case of exactly why I went with Thor. It is a new take on the character that we've seen forever, yet it calls back so much there. He's bringing back the things that we love He's subverting our expectations. Yeah. You know, we got excited that we were going to see Donald, Donald Blake and what we expected was not what we got. And we got something new and amazing. And, and then better. we, ex- yeah. And then <laughs> no. we expected he was going to go fight, you know, Valkyrie, the current Valkyrie, um, Jane you know, Foster, Jane Foster, because he found out that she used to be a Thor. And that's not what we got. We got callbacks to their time together and the fact that, she actually cared for him as Donald Blake yeah. versus everyone else that just saw him as Thor's alter ego. And just continually, he surprises me with what he does. And it is their books I run to every time they come out. Yep. And I'm not the biggest Thor fan. He has made Thor 
just so good. It's the best it's been since Straczynski's run, and I feel like it's even better. Would agree. Completely agree. So, yeah, I went with Thor on it, and it was a hard choice between Thor and Seven Secrets, because Seven Secrets is incredible, too. But we got a full year of Thor, and we only got a few issues of Seven Secrets. Andrew? Yeah, so... There have been a lot of great series I'm reading right now. You know, Rorschach, Strange Academy. Uh, my runner-up for this category was a book, again, something we never talk about here. It's uh, put out by Vault Comics. It's in the Vampire the Masquerade universe called Winter's Teeth. It follows uh, Cecilia Bain, uh, this bruja in in the Twin Cities. Uh, fantastic book. But my my favorite ongoing series is Seven Secrets for all the reasons that we've already kind of covered and don't need to rehash at this point. But uh, it is the other book that I run to and read immediately uh, when it comes out each week. And uh, I just get so um, they're able to get me so involved into the lives of these characters and what's going on. It makes me feel kind of so much for them when bad things happen. Uh, that That's why uh, Seven Secrets is my favorite ongoing series of 2020. Well, and I guess, uh, I mean, I'm going to be the third voice for Thor, Um, you know, for every reason that we've said throughout this entire show. uh, Thor is just a fantastic book. It's crazy we didn't actually nominate the artist of Thor, um, you know, for an award because... Well, I I nominated for cover. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is just a fantastic, fantastic book and a, a brilliant take on the character. Really so is. I Thor is is our winner for favorite ongoing series. Wow. Yeah. Woo! How about them funny book awards? I should yeah. probably read I should probably read Thor. <laughs> you really should, Andrew. Where, where where would be the right jumping on point if I were going issue to one. go go back and read Thor? Issue, issue one. one. There's not yeah. Oh, so they re- it was a re- reboot the numbers for this right. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, issue one came out in January, so it's not like you have a huge back catalog. So well, you I, got the I think the first volumes already in uh, trade. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I will definitely go to, uh, that and Doom. I need to look for in trade sales then. Yep. yep. For sure. Yeah. I have to say, Aaron, I feel like every year I come up with some weird off the wall ones typically. Oh. And I feel this year it really clicked. I think I've I picked the winner in more categories than any previous year. Oh, same. And, same. Yeah, and we had a lot of the same books on our lists. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 shocked and a little horrified that you and I are uh, on the same page there, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I think that says more about the quality that's coming out from a couple of creators than it does anything about us. Okay. Well, look, look at I, Wayne with I, a I, diplomatic I, response. I, I right? really appreciate Wayne letting me off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I just I just hope Tim's looking down from heaven and smiling as Thor wins. You know, book of the year. Right. I'm amused. I think Tim is in heaven. burning in hell (laughs) if he's not running the place (laughs) tim's not dead for anyone (laughs) just just in case you're worried that we speak (laughs) ill of the dead here he's he's actually he's alive (laughs) i mean we think is he we think is he well we think think. i have not seen oh go on hey paul yes sir do we even know what's coming out next week? We do. We have the continuation of DC's mediocre state in, oh. <laughs> in 
Aquaman, <laughs> Batman, Superman, Dark Detective, Legion of Superheroes, Suicide Squad, and Imperious Lex. Um, we also from well, I gotta tell you, the books this week were pretty terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they they were not good. Uh, uh, next week we also have the continuation of the other history of the DC universe. Issue two comes out from John Ridley and Giuseppe Camuncoli. Um, you know, and I, I I think we had some some strong opinions on the first issue. Is anyone on yeah. board for issue two? I'm in. All right. And, and one of our big nominees this year, though I guess not really a winner, was um, Strange Academy, the newest issue of Strange Academy. What has happened? To our beloved character, did he die last issue? Do we Doyle Darmano? Yeah. No, Doyle. Yeah, Doyle Darmano or Darmano. Yeah. I can't even say his name. Dormammu. Well, well, I will point out that Umberto Ramos did tie for favorite artist of the year. He did. He did. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll find out next week in uh, Strange Academy issue seven. Very exciting. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about uh, this year's Funny Book Awards. What 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 categories do you agree with? Which ones do you disagree with? Who did we forget? Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you can win a Funny Book Award. You never know. You never know. You never know. <laughs> you can also hit us up on social media. Tell us about your favorite choices of the year and what you're looking forward to in 2021. And tell us what your favorite cover of the year was. Uh, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. What a deal. Well, hey, guys. Uh, you know, I hope you're, you you have cleared your lists and are starting to figure out what you're going to what, what your what your nominees are for 2021. You know, we'll be doing this again real soon. I, mean, I think my holy. I think my holy shit moment of 2021 is going to be when Madman shows up the last page of crossover number three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might be. You know, I, I really felt like, uh, you know, Andrew's holy shit moment for 2020 was holy shit. I'm back in comics. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, holy that, shit. I forgot how expensive these were. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got to be cutting butt things out of my budget now to afford the comics I'm buying every week. But no, uh, yeah, from a meta standpoint, it's it is pretty it is pretty big. Just get into that college fund. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Does he really need to? Go, does my kid really need to go to college? No. Oh, no. no, he can get by on his looks. There's good Maybe. community colleges. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll do it again next week. Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyOfMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.